Hello, welcome to Lamniforms Radio, a podcast where I interview musicians and artists about their latest projects. My name is Ian Corey, and I am the songwriter in the band Lamniforms. I love learning about an artist's process, their intentions, and who they are as people. Today I am joined by Joseph Hurtado, better known as the producer, engineer, and beatmaker Saint Thrilla. Thrilla has been making beats both as a solo artist and with his younger brother, the rapper 303 Bam, for over a decade. I'm going to be very upfront with you. Thrilla and I go way back. The two of us have been friends since first grade and have remained friends even when he moved from Brooklyn to Staten Island as a kid and when I moved to Chicago for college. Thrilla even played in a very early version of Lamniforms. Throughout the years, we've always shared a love for each other's music, but I am particularly excited about his most recent project, Saint Sundays. For the last few months, Thrilla has dropped a new beat every Sunday, paired with haunting imagery inspired by his Catholic upbringing and his love for extreme metal. I was overjoyed to talk to Thrilla about this project as well as his evolution as an artist and his beat-making process. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. I'm sure you're getting music-related stuff, too. Yeah, you know, Tons of producer memes and, uh, yeah, weird instrument, music (laughs) instrument, like weird MIDI, like new MIDI instruments. Mm -hmm. Like the, there's this new, like, MIDI guitar thing that, um, I need to get. I have to get it. I have to get it. <laughs> They've convinced you you want it. Yeah. 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 Oh, hundred percent. It's um. It's it's crazy because it's like oh, it's a MIDI guitar. So for anyone who plays guitar who wants to play any other instrument, you know, and they should have like a video of a guy with his guitar and he's like playing like a drum beat on the guitar, and I'm like, that's dumb. I need it. I need it. I would not use it for to play a drum beat, but no. like, but like for anything else, oh hell yeah. I'm trying to even imagine how you could program a midi guitar to actually make a functional like that's just that's just showing off yeah completely impractical yeah very impractical like that's not what anyone is gonna really want to use it for Mm -hmm. but i mean i guess it really shows like oh yeah well this is what this is capable of you know so yeah i mean not to get like too uh conspiracy theory about it too but like i feel like musicians don't often question how much they are being sold products and are actually like a, a consumer body, you know? Yeah. And a lot of companies I think are, you know, their jobs to make money. They're, they're not interested necessarily in like the music that comes from the products that they're selling you. Right. So right. The musicians get sold all sorts of scammy shit. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Cause I definitely don't see myself like, you know, as a, as a musician myself, I'm always like, Oh, what could I use this for? How, how is this going to be practical to my life? This is going to, you know, really help me with my releases and, and my projects. And it's like, you're going to buy that and it's not, but mm-hmm. they got you though. Like I, you know, like any, any other industry, like I would look into it and be like, Oh, that's such like a, a gimmicky as seen on TV kind of thing. Right. Like the just, shoes that can make you jump higher. Yeah. You know? like, but like, if it's like something for, you know, headphones or drums, I'm like, Oh, eat it up. Yep. I need a metronome that vibrates on my chest. <laughs> like I need that. I need that. 
It's it's tough. It's we were having a previous conversation last week about how in some cases actually getting better gear does completely change the game for yeah, you. Yeah. You know? So there is always a kernel of truth of like how much you do I mean you're gonna be, you know, more aware of the limitations of your gear than anyone because it's the gear that you're working on. And so there's always that desire to like improve around yeah. the edges in some way, you know, yeah. find, like figure out the one piece of gear that will make you sound like you. And then yep. all the oh, other yeah. stuff that's supposed to happen. will happen. Oh yeah. But what's your, what's your setup right now? So. Um, right now I've just, um, you know, I'm working with my MacBook pro and I use, I'm, I'm an Ableton user. So I use mm -hmm. Ableton uh, push Two, which is a fantastic piece of equipment. And then, you know, I got a, a couple of microphones and that's pretty much it aside from like, you know, in terms of the electronic stuff. And then I do have, um, you know, an acoustic guitar. I got a, a, a Giro from one of my friends uh, mm. for a while and I've actually used that. And for Christmas, my roommate got me a Kalimba. Like, oh shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I haven't gotten to like really play around with, but like, I'm so excited. Like I couldn't believe it. Like. This, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, Just so, for sampling purposes alone, oh my, I bet you could I get a million wait. things out of yeah, that. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm going to really mess around with that. That's going to mm -hmm. be fun. What sucks is that, like, we, you know, I, we have two dogs, and the dogs absolutely hate it. Like, I don't know what it is. I guess, you know, just the frequencies that even one of those notes hits is just like, nah, they're not, they're not fit for it. So yeah. They're getting to, on the track too. I'm, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm going to have to figure that out. Like, when they're, like, not home. I couldn't imagine being, like, up late in the studio at night. And like just playing around with it, I know that'll wreak havoc in my home. <laughs> <laughs> Is that generally when you like to work late at night? That tends to be, you know, it's it's weird. I'm kind of all over the place. I try to schedule myself for certain times, you know, like in the morning. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of times where I end up, you know, being in the studio late at night. You know, I guess that's just like a, a normal musician thing, just solitude, silence, which it sucks because it's like, oh, it's late. So I can't like blast my music. But at the same time, it's like nobody's bothering me so that's nice right yeah yeah so you you produce that's yes. mainly what you do you yep. make beats yeah and you make full songs as well yes but i'd be interested at some point in this conversation sort of uh, teasing apart the differences between those two things oh hell yeah but so you you say you block off time to work generally what is your workflow then how do you how do you get started with your ideas i like to start with like i like to start with melody i'm a big fan of just like you know, getting my ideas from melody. I, I, I'll hear a melody and that'll like start to, you know, change my emotions and the way I feel. And then from there, I tend to, you know, do some more rhythmic stuff. Um, but in terms of like melody, you know, I'll, I'll either load up like some samples or I'll look for something to sample or I'll play around with even just um, messing around with like a, a piano. Like with Ableton Push, it's like, you know, a, a 64 pad like drum sequencer pretty much. And it, of course, it's just like, you know, a MIDI keyboard just in drum pads. So I'll just play around with some notes. You can like pick a key and like all the notes will be in the key. So, and there's like tons of keys, like even like weird keys. So I'll mm -hmm. just like mess around with uh, a piano or maybe even like a, you know, a couple synth sounds or something like that. And then, you know, I'll, I'll just like try to flesh out an idea, maybe like, you know, a small melody, a small like melodic phrase, or maybe even some chords. And then once I get like, you know, kind of like, I guess a good feel for something going, just like something that has like some emotion and some movement, then I'll start to like, you know, just lay some drums down mm -hmm. and then from there start to get into some detail work. You know, I, I love like hi-hats. I love doing stuff with hi-hats. So like that's something I get like super zoned into, like just doing hi-hat rolls and rhythmic stuff like that. That's it's interesting. I feel like often when I've read 
and this might just be a result of like a generation generational difference but most of the times that i've heard like older hip-hop producers will say like start with the drums first Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. build it up from there if it doesn't have the drums then it's nothing Yeah. yeah 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 but i feel like that's Maybe a, this, I don't know how to phrase this in a way that doesn't seem, because like I, I love the kind of shit you're doing. Otherwise yeah. you wouldn't be here, right. you know, <laughs> Thank but you. I, I feel like what your style is so much more dependent on a kind of atmosphere, Yes, you know, yeah. a kind of like emotional space that you're creating with your beats often. Yeah. Um, and not to say that the drums are second, but it makes sense to me that the ambience would come first. You know, it's funny. I've, I've always struggled. Like I used to, because obviously, you know, learning to make beats it was always like start with the drums first start with the drums first and i would like struggle so hard in my earlier days mm-hmm. to do the drums um and sometimes I, I make myself do it as like a challenge it'll give me like a different perspective because sometimes it's i'll get a different kind of like melodic idea or something having a rhythm already established but like that was something i struggled with a lot it was like okay i'm gonna start with these drums I'm start with these drums and and eventually i was like you know what i i know i need like something and of course drums can change you emotionally of course, sure. but um, I just I love connecting with like you know just like a, a nice harmony, you know like a like get like some kind of jazzy chord or some kind of really sad dark chord, and like that takes me places. Mm-hmm. And then from there, like you know, I'll I'll figure out the movement from there. Since you mentioned it, uh, we should probably scroll back to how you started doing this to begin with. So oh yeah, how did you start making beats? What brought you to that? Well, I mean, first I started playing guitar when I was fourteen, which was um. A complete surprise as you know we were uh, in a in a band early funny because i remember like i was um signing up you know registering for classes in high school and i needed an elective and just it just happened it was like fate the guidance counselor at the time was like uh we have a guitar class you want to try that and i was like sure mm-hmm. and i remember like i don't know if it was like the next day i was talking to you on the phone and i was like dude i'm gonna start learning how to play guitar i'm taking guitar class and you were like great you're in our band and i was like <laughs> oh my god i don't know how to play yet i was so terrified like i beat myself up that whole summer i was like man i haven't even started school yet Ian, you've got me in this band i don't even know what i'm gonna do but um that's where like um i first started like really getting into music on my own and from playing guitar and, and going to school i just i just met a couple kids you know who were everyone's a musician you know and i knew a couple kids in my uh in my class who who rapped and one day one of them was talking about um getting fl studio for christmas and they were just talking about it and i wanted to rap back then that was my thing i wanted to be mm-hmm. a rapper and they were like yeah this computer program fl studio i got it to make beats and i that blew my mind i was like a computer program to make beats that it, like it didn't even make sense to me which was silly because like when i realized that i was like how i never really realized how beats were made anyway you know like yeah. i was like what how do these inst- like what where, where does this music even come from it was like someone snapped their fingers and i was just like oh my god the music exists at like in a different way that i like i haven't known it my whole life right music um, is made yeah you know? music is made like i've seen music be made like i'm i'm into bands i listen to music i'm but like music gets made though like it was so weird i was like i asked the kids you know like hey like you know what's this program about how do you get it and they're like oh it's expensive um but you can like try a demo online um and then so i got a few different programs like drum sequencing programs and like recording programs and um once i really got my hands on fl studio i think i was at the time it's funny i I feel like i was a late bloomer because every like big producer that i idolized like started making beats when they were like you know oh i was like 12 or 13 i was like 17 when um when I finally like started using FL Studio, like I had um this small drum sequencing program on my own and I couldn't really make full beats. It was just like a clicks of drums and like tiny little 
samples of atmosphere and I was like, oh, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And I went to this kid's house and I used FL Studio and I was like, oh, this is really fun. And when I finally got my hands on it for myself, I was like, yo, fuck that rapping shit. This is it for me. Like, I am here. Like, uh-huh. this is all I want to do. Like, this is this is it. So who, what were the rappers that, you know, inspired you to want to start there? Oh, man. So I guess at that time, I was listening to, like, a lot of, I guess, you know, there was tons of dips at the time. I'm trying to think back to when I was, like, 17. You know, there was... um. There was lots of Dipset. I was listening to, of course, a lot of 50 Cent. Eminem was my favorite rapper. Mm-hmm. But in terms of production, you know, being from New York, um, you know, of course, we, we grew up on stuff like Jay-Z and Nas. Like, Just Blaze was one of, like, my biggest influences. Um, so that's one of the one of the first, like, listening to, like, Jay-Z and, like, all that sample-based stuff that Just Blaze would do was, like, I was like, I, I want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. once I started figuring out how to, how to sample, I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't need to leave my house. Like food, <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't need that. I have a sample. Like I have a sample, and I've got some drum samples, and I've got this loop, and that like I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nuts. And so the difference though is that I'm assuming Just Blaze was sampling off of vinyl records. And, oh yeah. And but that's not something that I feel like you ever got really into. It was not like mm-hmm. when I when I first started making beats, you know, sampling, I. I I watched, you know, like tons of tutorials on how to do things and sampling, like it wasn't easy because there was lots of things you had to learn to listen for. You really had to understand like rhythm and what a loop was and how to count and then how to physically like, like in a program, make something loop in and cut it up and things like that. And like that stuff was like super hard and the program, like all the stuff I would watch on how to use it was all like, you know, MPC based, which I did not have. I had a uh, crappy like you know $500 laptop that I got for graduating high school Mm -hmm. so first it was just like learning drum sequencing and then having these like crappy virtual instruments and you know just trying to put things into a piano roll I first learned it was you know just like oh man like chords and trying to sequence in notes and things like that the sampling did come later because like you said like that was sampling like on vinyl was something I didn't even have access to and I, I always wanted to but obviously, like, you know, all I had was, like, YouTube and, like, MP3, like, rip websites and things like that. Yeah, it's something I I enjoyed doing, but eventually that, I don't know, my style changed in so many different ways, you know? Do you feel like the, the process of sampling off of YouTube on a sort of, like, lower rate MP3s, did that affect your stylistic choices in, like, a way that wouldn't have happened if you had learned how to do it on vinyl? Oh, definitely. You know, having... You know, the internet is like, like YouTube is like the biggest record store ever in the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't have to walk around anything and you can just click something and listen to it and be like, okay, I want to try this. And then be like, okay, I want to try something different. And you don't have to actually look for something, you know. What kind of sucks about it is that you don't get to learn like about, you know, the different musicians who played on certain like, you know, records. I mean, of course you can, but it's not like when you go into a record store and then, you know, you find, oh, my God, a Herbie Hancock record. I love this album. You know, I'm going to I love the drummer on this. Um, he played on all these other records and so on and so forth. It was just me kind of like Googling things like um, old jazz records and seeing what would come up and then listening for other artists uh, music and then trying to like research what samples they used and then trying to find music from the same artists. So like it definitely it definitely made it different because, you know, when you have something, when you have every song that's ever been released at your fingertips you know you can just type some stuff in and and it pop up and it 
definitely doesn't have like that hard work of going to the store, you know, picking up a record, listening to it in the store and being like, mm, I don't want to take this home, putting it back and then going through another one. Like mm-hmm. you got to invest time into digging, you know, that's like real time. You have to really commit yourself to. And that level of commitment, you know, that's, that's something you, you do out of love, you know? Yeah. I, and I, of course, I'm, I'm always envious of people who grew up in that era, um, but that wasn't when I was born, so that's that, you know? Right. I made it, I made do with what I could. There's also an opportunity granted to you through that, the freedom, the fact that you did not have to, to do that. Obviously, there's like a romantic element to, of course. you know, you know, going through all these, you know, bargain bin vinyls and yeah. all that, but yeah. the, I think a lot about how like Clams Casino he would just go on like LimeWire yeah. and search for like sad music or yeah. like beautiful song yeah. <laughs> and find shit based on that. And it's yeah. this almost like completely new way of thinking about sampling, like looking yeah. mood first and just pulling stuff out of the ether, you know? Definitely. I mean, you know, there were, there are tons of, of that and like thinking about it in that, in, in that perspective, like even using um, a computer program to make beats, you know, on a laptop, like pirated software, way more accessible than being like, I know I want to make beats. I don't know how to play the piano or keyboard, but I'm going to buy a Casio keyboard, learn, and then buy a record player and an MPC and then some kind of sound card to connect to my computer. Like that's all like something that I did not have access to or any like knowledge of, Mm -hmm. you know, like for me, it was like, I got this program and then from there learned, okay, what can this thing do that I have access to? And I'd always seen like, like when I was younger, you know, on TV, there'd be rare times when I saw things like beat machines or, or like studio equipment. And I was just always like, wow, what are those, what do those things do? But I did not ever get to touch an NPC until well into years of making beats. And I've never owned one, you know, I've never owned an actual NPC. So having things be accessible to you, you know, because of technology definitely, you know, influences us in all different ways. So I'm grateful for that, you know, because I know like maybe if I was born 10 years earlier, or 15 years earlier, I probably wouldn't be making music because I probably wouldn't have access to a record player or an NPC, you know? Like, a lot of people are like, oh, I had a cousin who had this and this and that, and it's like, well, what about all these people who didn't, these kids who didn't, you know? Sure, They yeah. started on computer programs and things like that, so, yeah. And so did you have a, uh, a community of people that you were sharing music with at that time, or were, were you basically just stuck in your room? I was kind of just by myself um, for the longest time, which which sucked because like self-teaching for me has always been like a hard thing. You know, um, I was trying to find as many YouTube tutorials as I could. And this is back in like, you know, 2000, 2008. So like YouTube is huge for tutorials now. Back then there were, there were definitely tutorials, but I could search something, a tutorial for something and not find it. Mm-hmm. You know, like here, like today, like you can find it. There's a, someone has made a video on how to do something. Like then it wasn't as big a, you know, of a thing. I always wanted a mentor especially when it came to like trying to, when I finally got to the point where I was like, oh man, maybe I can like start selling beats to artists. So like, how do I go about these things? Like having no one to ask and searching on the internet for hours a day, every mm-hmm. day, and not really getting any concrete information about how anything is supposed to work. So when it came to like even making my music, it was just kind of like, well, um, I've got siblings. I'm going to show my brothers and maybe I'll show some of my friends, but there wasn't like, um, you know, I'm from Staten Island. I, l- I lived in Staten Island since I was nine. So there wasn't a huge community of like artists or musicians in general that I could like tap into and be like, even as a young kid, be like, hey guys, like, you know, let's make music together and stuff like that. I was just kind mm-hmm. of in my room, kind of figuring it all out by myself. And of course there were times when like, you know, 
I would meet people and there would be like, you know, little bits here and there of like, you know, advice I'd be given or some kind of like little bits of mentorship, but nothing that was ever like what I really needed. So I really had to like learn a lot of things by myself, mm-hmm. which was, which is rough, but it also made me like the kind of musician I am today, you know? Speaking of another formative influence thing, you did mention that you did play in bands previously yeah. before this. How yeah. did that affect your approach to making uh, making beats and producing, if any effect? Oh, man, that made it so lit. Like, you know, I started playing guitar when I was 14. So when I really started messing around with, like, um, beat-making programs um, on the computer, I, I had a very tiny foundation of music theory. Mm-hmm. And that made so much difference for me just understanding like okay the difference between a major chord and a minor chord and knowing how to play a few chords on guitar and a few notes and how to find a note put me miles ahead of other people I knew who were also trying to learn to make beats and it helped me establish like you know melodic ideas that made sense um from when I first started you know like I understood I had an understanding of that sounds right that doesn't sound right and like honestly if it wasn't for me having like played guitar before i started making beats i probably would have seen the program messed around with it a little bit and like oh this is cool and then never touch it again because pulling out a piano roll and clicking around in some notes you know more often than not whatever you click in there if you're clicking randomly is not going to sound good no so having you know an idea of like okay click this and then what should happen next well this doesn't sound right so let's try something else mm-hmm. that really um that that kept me alive pretty much you know that was um that was really important that which is i guess why i brought it up because if it wasn't for me playing guitar like i said i wouldn't i wouldn't be making beats at all and so that kept you alive but until you eventually did start working with other people so when when yeah. did that start happening for you i guess let's see my younger brother, he's significantly younger than I am. And, you know, he was, like, trying to, like, rap when he was, like, you know, everyone everyone dabbles in music. Everyone who listens to a kind of music wants to do that kind of music. So, like everyone else, he was always trying to rap since he was, like, a kid. Mm-hmm. And, I've got um, a very cute story that I'd like to share. I, re- oh, yeah? I remember very clearly going over to your house one time and... You had like one of these like boom boxes that had like a karaoke. Yeah, mic. the karaoke machine. I know yeah. exactly when you're talking about. And he was like doing uh with the one of that Nas song. I know I can. can. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was practicing that I believe for um a talent show mm-hmm. at his school. Like that's when like his rap career started. He was like seven years old. Three or three. Bam. Was like seven. Sounded more like the kids on the backing track than the you know main vocal. One hundred percent was like one of those kids on the backing track. And um, when he was like 10 or 11 and I had like, you know, been, I had learned enough to kind of start recording. I was able to like start recording in my room. You know, there were like a couple of times where I was like, hey man, you ever want to record? Like, yo, let's record something. And then like we recorded a song and I was like, oh, oh shit. Um, so that was, I guess, I don't even know, maybe like two, two years into making beats, maybe, maybe two or three years, probably two. That was like that was my first collaboration, and then of course after that, like I I did end up making music with like some of those kids that I did go to school with who are rapping and stuff like that, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bulk of it was really just like you know me and my brother, and then one of his friends, like who he would hang out with, also was like rapping too. So it was um, originally they were called uh, Two Epic Kids. Actually, they were called Always in Charge AIC, and then they changed the name to Two Epic Kids. And I don't know, I was like their producer. I, like I would make beats. Um, just like in my own time, I would just make beats and I would come home and they like, they'd be like, Hey, we want to record to this. 
this beat and i'm like all of these because like i don't have any more they're like yeah all of these like you know i was it was funny because like back then like we put out mixtapes i was like i was producing albums like mm-hmm. whole albums like 15 song albums you know it was it was nuts you were putting them out at a fairly fast pace as i remember too yeah yeah did that finally having like a collaborative relationship and you know that kind of ultimate product that you were creating did that change the way that you started making music Definitely. I mean, it, it made it seem like it had more of a purpose, you know, because mm-hmm. before it was like, you know, I really enjoy making these beats and I'm just I just have them. But now it was like, oh, I have them and something's going to happen with them. Like my bros are going to make a song to it. So like and it wasn't just like they're going to make a song to it. I was, it was like, I'm going to record it and mix it, you know, and we're going to figure out all the artwork and where we're going to put it all together. So mm-hmm. it really, um, I guess, helped me understand like how to work. You know, it, it made me work. It made me say, OK, like. I need to establish deadlines. Um, I need to learn these technical things on, on what I have to do to put this out, get this on this website, and so on and so forth. So you know, it, it did change. I mean, I, I went through a lot of changes of workflows and stuff like that, but that was like independent of really working with artists. That's mm-hmm. that's something that's always been a work in progress for me, still to this day. You know, like I'm always looking for a way to be more efficient, or come up with new ideas. But um, back then, yeah, like that, um, that really kind of like lit a fire under my ass. You know, like it, like it wasn't about me anymore. It's like, oh man, like this is us now. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm doing this with, it's funny. Cause it's like, it seemed so serious back then. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so not, but it was fun though. And that's like, you know, that's what was important. And did it change the, the style of music that you're making in any way? Like, did you feel like you had to sort of change the way that you were making music in order to accommodate the presence of, uh, having um, vocals on it or funny enough at that time? No. Like my brother and my cousin Chris were just taking whatever I would make and just doing whatever they they figured out, you know, which was cool. Like having complete creative control. I was just like trying to find ways to express myself, do different ideas. You know, by then, like YouTube was a little bit more like YouTube producers were more of a thing. So there was a little bit more information out there. And then, of course, there was music coming out all the time. So I was drawing from new influences every day, especially having like, you know, been in bands when I was younger. I was exposed to so many different kinds of music, which I was able to experiment with when it came to like sampling and then like composing over samples and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so having like vocals and, and artists like do stuff on my stuff didn't specifically with my, my brother and my cousin Chris, um, that did not really like change the way I made music. Not until at least like way later when we were more conscious of like, okay, this genre is like big now let's try to do something like this or we like this and things like that. But a lot of times also like when I would change the way I made music, it was, it wasn't like because of them and artists, it was just more like, Oh, did you hear this new Drake that came out? I really want to experiment with that kind of sound or like, you know, Oh my God, have you heard of this guy, Chief Keef? No, nah, man, we got to try to figure out how to make a beat like that. Cause that is sick. You know, mm-hmm. like that's kind of where that went. What were some other of the like big sort of sea changes that happened in the evolution of your style? Cause it's definitely gotten much darker yeah. Over the years, I yeah. would say. And also like less sample based, if, oh, from what I can tell. Definitely. There was a time I remember I had a I went to the Institute of Audio Research when I was in college for a little while and I left college and I was like, I you know, want to I wanna become like I wanna have some kind of career in music. So I was going to the school for audio engineering and they had a there's a class on like, you know, MIDI programs and digital audio workstations and we, we just learned anything and then there was this teacher his name is phil paintson shout out to phil paintson he's a, a producer and an engineer and he was i remember him saying like man sampling is you gotta be careful with that stuff he was like it is addictive and i like laughed at it and then like i kind of 
discovered through another producer new ideas with sampling like you know this was when like the like trap waka flock was like you know huge and lex luger and anyway mafia were like mm-hmm. you know just like starting to really like turn shit up and so this um this kid that my brother went to school with was like taking old soul samples you know but like putting like trap drums over them and um then i i was stuck like my teacher was right phil Payton was right that shit was addictive there was nothing i would like anything i heard i was like I'm going to loop that. I'm going to sample that. Every kind of weird genre, especially like having been into post-metal and post-rock, I was like, oh man, all these cool, like sad ambient things. Like, But eventually, yeah, I did stop because I eventually got to a point where I wanted to, I guess, compose more of my own stuff. There were, I guess also with like more of the rise of like that trap and that turned into drill in the future, a lot of music, a lot of rap ended up being like less sample based. So just trying to like, keep up with the times and being influenced from like modern stuff I was just kind of like okay like I'm not always gonna do samples I'm gonna try to see if I could come up with like a dark chord progression on my own with this really cool synth there was a time when I was like super into dubstep and I was producing a lot of dubstep also so like I spent a lot of time trying to learn about synthesis you know really trying to get that wobble bass that infamous like dubstep bass line Mm -hmm. learning how to make different sounds with synths kind of took me out of that sampling realm because then it was all about like finding or creating a sound like an actual sound that I could play um, on a piano or keyboard on MIDI keyboard and things like that but there were there were definitely quite a bit of quite a like quite a few sea changes like the dubstep thing was like before dubstep got like super big in the U.S. and like commercialized I had like it was like the year before I had like discovered it some like super randomly because mm-hmm. i was always i always wanted to like m- like listen to drum and bass i was like drum and bass the name just sounds cool let me look it up and i looked it up and i found a wikipedia article about it and then like that it referenced like grime and dubstep and i started listening to those and then i was just like hooked and i was really big into doing dubstep for a while to the point where like I was almost like two producers. I was either making like old school hip hop, you know, like I was like taking like a jazz sample and like, you know, trying to throw some heavy drums on it. And if I wasn't doing that, then I was really trying to make like, you know, some like Rusko heavy wobbly bass kind of stuff. And then like dubstep got really big. And then, you know, of course being like, being like a fake hipster, I was like, oh, well that's not cool anymore. Not for me. Um, <laughs> I remember even when trap was a thing, like I was even, I was even resistant to that for a while cause it was so big. And then eventually like, I think I, for fun was like, oh, let me try to make a Lex Luger type of beat. And I was like, oh, this is a lot of fucking fun. <laughs> and then, and then drill happened. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, when drill happened, life changed forever. Like it's funny. It's, it's, it seems silly, but when when drill started, when like I first heard of Chief Keef and started listening to all these Chicago artists and producers, that's where I stood for the longest time. Like from a production standpoint, even um, even when other things caught my interest, I would try to incorporate them both. Like when I really got into Drake, like I was really into Drake for a while, honestly, like since Take Care came out. And then like when drill happened, I was like, okay, I want to. I still want to, I'm like, sure, I want to do some Drake stuff, but, like, at the same time, though, like, I, I want to do this drill stuff, and I was like, maybe I can kind of combine them both. It was more like, oh, what can I, what else can I do with drill? Like, what, I just want to do drill. Like, mm-hmm. like, is Drake doing drill? Cool. Like, because I want to do drill. Is Drake making dark beats? Cool. Let's make that sound drill. Um, like, is, is Jay-Z doing something cool? Is this new? Auto-tune? Cool. Let's put some drill. Like, like, how do I, 
how do I make these sounds, you know? And, and was that being received well amongst your peers at the time? Yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of where everyone, you know, it was kind of just like the trend at the time. That was like where everyone um, around, like like Brendan, um, my brother, Bam, um, and our cousin Chris, CJ, like that's, you know, they, they them being younger than me, they were the ones who were like, look at this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Then they were like, no, 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 really look at this. And I was like, okay, okay, like I'm, I get it. So that's, there was almost like they pushed me to do it, mm-hmm. but it was like we were all just like entranced. But like everyone else was also still trying to do that too. Like local um, rappers in Staten Island, like, you know, a lot of a lot of kids were, you know, hopping on the drill wave also. I feel like I just, I stood there for like way too long. <laughs> like people were like starting to do other stuff and I'm like, nah, man, like young chop. I'm trying to be young chop. Like I am young chop. Um, I feel like it's looped back around pretty well for you though. It's, it's insane actually um, <laughs> like that like drill has made like a rise again in in like other genres like there's like new york drill and uk drill it's it's insane that's mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy but that's where i was for a while and then i kind of i feel like i took a lot of the way my production was at that time i still incorporate a lot of those elements today because the drill sound um there were a lot of like you know it was it was very like violent and dark and um, it reminded me a lot of like, you know, like a lot of the metal and the hardcore that I would listen to, you know, it, it just had this like, this darkness to it. And um, I was like, I, I just always try to hold on to that. Yeah. Like, you know, that like melodically, like, e- like some of the chord progressions still like that I, I think about in some of my old favorite songs. I'm just like, man, that is nuts. How did they come up with that? You know, in like 2012, you know, which mm-hmm. isn't even, isn't even that long ago, you know, or whatever. That was like, that was like the biggest sea change. Um that's when I really was like, I mean, of course I still mess with samples then, but that's that I wasn't really focused on it then anymore. I was like, I'll do that occasionally. You know, I, I always tried to sample stuff, but when I did sample stuff, like the samples weren't really like the focus anymore. Mm-hmm. They were almost like, okay, how can I find ways to enhance this thing that I already have, which was usually like a drill beat, you know? Right. Do you feel like that kind of clarified what you were going for? Do you, do you feel like closer to what you were like true artistic self is now that you've, because it seems like you really struck on that. And that is now like a, a much more like a core part of your musical identity. Yeah. You know, um, at the time, no, like at the, at the time I didn't, I guess I didn't feel that way because after, after that I, I ended up kind of, I don't know, kind of in like a, a lot of weird limbo, but thinking back on it now, definitely, you know, cause like I said, that, that darkness is something I was like, Oh no, I like, I'm like, I'm just like stuck on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like found different ways to like, I guess, tap into it because, you know, as the genres change and things evolve, the the actual sounds change. And at the time, like drill was like super synthy. And I was like holding on to that for like too long to the point where I was like, oh, man, my beats kind of starting to sound outdated. So um, I kind of had to like change some things. Right. But it did end up kind of coming back around to being like the thing that I guess I love most about, you know, drill was... I guess it was, I mean, it always just comes back to melody for me. Mm-hmm. Even with, um, when it came to the vocals, like, you know, Lil Durk became, like, my favorite artist. And the way he would, like, the way he would sing with, like, auto-tune and the way he would mix with the different sounds of the production, I just thought were, like, I just thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely something, like, I still kind of, like, I don't have in the back of my head, like, all the time. And now you you kind of do a bit of that sort of singing auto tune stuff here and there. Yeah, yeah. When uh, did that start becoming part of 
what you wanted to put out in the world? I think it was, you know, at one point I, I figured out how to use auto tune and um, my, my little brother used it. And then we were like, all right, this is, this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, there were just a couple of times when like, you know, I was by myself in the studio and I'm just like, all right, well, you know what? Hey, I want to try to mess around with this because at the time learning how to be an audio engineer, like I needed to learn, I wanted to learn how to record. I wanted to learn how to mix and everything. I really went to the Institute of Audio Research, of course, with the idea of being an audio engineer, but in the back of my head, I was like, I want to go to school so I can learn how to mix my beats. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm, I'm not going to tell that to my parents. Like, Hey, I want to. I want you to spend $20,000 for this nine month program so I can learn how to make my beats sound good. Um, but, um, you know, so I was like lear- trying to learn all these things, you know, that I would learn in school and apply them, you know, on my own at home. So just in learning how to record, I was like, all right, let's, let's throw some auto tune on and, and see how this goes. And, and that kind of became fun. And like I said, I originally, you know, wanted to be, you know, like an artist and a rapper and things like that. So I did like a couple, a couple songs and, um, and it was just a lot of fun. I don't even remember the years that like I started doing some of this stuff, but um, I didn't really take it seriously until maybe like three or four years ago, where I did like a cover of a Drake song, which was funny because that was like the first thing I did was like you know doing a Drake beat. I, you know, I mean of course Drake is one of one of my favorite artists of all time, and um, I did a cover of a uh, pop style. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, I did a cover of pop style. I actually didn't use that much auto tune in it, and I was just singing and. I showed it to my brother and he like lost his mind. Like I couldn't understand it. Like there were times when like I, I did other like, you know, Drake things in the past. Um, I even did like um, Chief Keef's Love Sosa. I like did my own version of that with autotune back in the day. And mm-hmm. my, you know, my brother loved it. He would always play it. Like I remember he tried to, he actually stole it from my computer um, and put it like on his iPod. And I, and I was like, oh man, nobody has that song. And one day he was like, I have it still. I still have it. And I was like, how do you have it? He was like, you weren't home. I put that shit on my iPod. But like, he was really like blown away. And that meant a lot to me being that he grew so much as an artist that I was now learning from him, you know, even though he was rapping and singing and I was producing, I was like looking to him to figure out what made him tick musically and, and how to incorporate what he does into my own music. And he was just like, this is amazing. And I was like, really like should i should i do this he was like you should keep doing this and i was like i don't know but uh it's fun mm-hmm. so i i enjoy i enjoy singing even though i can't really sing so like i you know that's why i mess around with auto-tune but i don't know it's fun but so you still say that you're like your core identity is as a producer first and foremost yeah definitely definitely and so you've really taken that to uh a really encouraging place. I'm really excited to talk about like the, the most recent work that you're doing because you've gotten into this really great rhythm of putting up like a new beat on Instagram every single Sunday. Yeah. Like for the last few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Like what, like three or four months at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what made you start doing that and uh, how's the response been? Well, being a producer, you know, of course, it's like the primary goal is like, okay, sell beats, sell beats. Mm-hmm. And um, the traditional, like, I don't know. The music industry has been changing so much. So now everything is social media based and I'm um, just trying to learn it like marketing. It was like, okay, we have to be consistent on social media. And so I thought Instagram would be a great place. And there are tons of producers and musicians putting, you know, small clips of music up on Instagram being super creative. So I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I need to be consistent and I've got tons of music that I want to put out and I've got some ideas. So like, you know, let's, uh, let's mess around and give it a try. And, um, I decided to kind of like, try to brand myself you know i'm saint thriller so i was like okay sunday sunday is the day of worship Mm -hmm. starts with an s perfect saint sunday and i uh 
I, I put a song up, you know, and, and everyone everyone loved it. Like I put a song up and I made like a, a cool little like video um, just with some pictures and and people like kind of, you know, caught on and kind of liked it. And, you know, I did it another week You know, I did it the next week. I, I, um, I went live a couple times and like I'd make a beat like live and then that's what I would post with the video. And, and then it got to, it got weird when, um, one day I was, um, I was like running late to work cause I, I have like work on Sunday. So I'm always like waking up super early to like do it. And I was like late and I had something ready to post, but I posted it like later than usual. And before I got to post it, people were like messaging me like, yo, like, where's, uh, where's our St. Sunday post? Where's this beat? <laughs> and I was just like, uh, it's, it's coming. It's, it's, it's on the way, I, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And and that happened another few times when I was just like, eh, maybe I won't do it, you know. And people were like, yo, I can't wait for Sunday. And I'm just like, what? Are you serious, bro? I'm like, I, I guess I have to deliver now. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, I gotta really start like doing this in advance and making sure it happens, you know. And it's been it's been pretty cool. I've gotten a lot of followers from it. And and at first, like I said, the um, the idea was like, okay, I'm gonna just get myself out there to sell beats. Um, but now that's like not even my focus anymore. I'm just like. I just want to put music out and like the people who were telling me, you know, of course I'm trying to market to rappers to buy beats, but a lot of the people who were telling me they love the music, like aren't rappers. And they're like, I just like listening to this, you know, can you send me this song? And I was like, you like, you want to, you want to just like listen to this beat like over and over. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's, that's kind of cool. Um, so that's kind of where I've been like focused at is really just like, you know, being consistent, putting out music every week. Um, cause people are like looking for it, you know? So yeah, and that's that's kind of like my my focus here on out. You know, is just releasing instrumental music for people because they like it. People mm-hmm. like music, you know. And so again, that that kind of goes back to one of the questions that we sort of hinted at earlier, which is the difference between you know making a beat that is essentially a, a functional piece of work for another artist, like mm-hmm. it's a part of someone else's music, yeah, versus making music that is meant to be listened to by itself. Yeah, yeah, and um. It's weird because the lines are like super blurred because all these beats were, were like the intention was like I was like okay well people are gonna rap on these mm-hmm. but like I don't know people love the the music without rappers on it and um, of course like when I make a beat they're not just like okay this is just something I'm like just coming up with or just messing around with like you know of course I have an emotion and an idea behind it when I start you know so it allows me to kind of tell my story. And I'm, again, always wanting to be the artist. I've always struggled writing lyrics. So I was kind of like, I can now tell my story just through sound. And I don't know, pe- people people like it. And I, don't, I, I feel like there's, like I said, the line is blurred um, because so many times people have, you know, I'm talking to people about music when there's artists that people like or don't like. They're like, oh, I love, the, I love this person's beats. Or I don't like them that much, but I love the beats that they have. And it's like, sometimes if you just, you know, remove the vocals from a beat like it's still a fantastic piece of music Mm -hmm. and i mean of course you do have a producer someone who composed that you know who technically played like seven or eight instruments you know even if it was all on a midi keyboard like they did the drums they did you know the bass line they did you know the lead they did the background they did you know the guitars the piano like they did it all you know so before the vocals there's like a solid piece of music and people appreciate that still Mm -hmm. you know i feel like that's also more true than ever these days yeah um, I feel like older beats, while they're like obviously the greats are great, and I'm not going to disparage anyone. Absolutely. But even some of the best old beats of all time, 
are kind of not great solo listens just because the, you know, the materials at hand are just more conducive to making something that someone sounds better rapping over. Yeah. And yeah. I think as yes, kind of to the point of the flow of the conversation we've had so far is that there's just more technology now that allows people who may have previously just been making loops to come up with much more elaborate compositions that are, you know, using the full spectrum of sound that would otherwise maybe get in the way of someone who's actually trying to rap over it. Definitely. And what's interesting is that that's something that's been present in a lot of other genres of music, you know, a lot of EDM for a long time, like doesn't have vocals on it, you mm -hmm. know, like sometimes there'll be vocal samples on it. That will be primarily like the vocals. Um, there's like tons of like dubstep that doesn't have any vocals, tons of like techno that doesn't have any vocals, trance. Yeah, I mean, like vocal trance is a whole different yeah, subgenre sub -genre yeah. of trance, you know, like trance is originally like, nah, there's no one on that. It's just this DJ and producer, you know, doing their thing. So like, it's something that I feel like is just kind of becoming mainstream in hip hop because it's been around in hip hop for a long time. You know, the LA beat scene has always been a thing, mm -hmm. but that's also uh, a style that's always been like, you know, very specific on its own. Like a lot of the LA beat scene stuff is like, oh no, nah, you don't rap over that because like there's so much going on. Like, right. Like, you know, a rapper almost doesn't fit on that. Yeah. Try to sneak your way into a Flying Lotus song and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, you know, for a while, I was that's something I always admired and looked up to. I was like, man, I wish I could just make beats and not have to worry about someone being able to be on this. It's funny, when I first started making beats, I was always like, man, I don't know how anybody would rap over this. I put too much too much stuff in this, you know, um, because like when you first start making, when I first started making beats and I didn't, there was no one rapping and I didn't know anything. I'm just like, okay, well, I, uh, let's put more instruments on this. Okay, I let's put more instruments on this like uh all right is this one done um now nah, we can do one more instrument on this I'm like no nah, now it's done and i i'm glad like it's it's kind of um the lo-fi lo-fi hip-hop is like kind of becoming i think because of spotify um becoming like like rising in in mainstream like popular culture like a lot more people are into it which is great mm -hmm. um all these things have been around for a while so like i'm hoping that in like, you know, my style, people will appreciate it the same way. Sure. I, yeah, it serves a different function. Like, obviously, like, like new job is and all that sort of, like, Japanese lo-fi stuff clearly, like, laid the groundwork for that yeah. fucking YouTube playlist that yeah. is, is always happening. <laughs> lo-fi music to study, too. To, yeah. And, like, clearly because of, like, the way that streaming services and social media, it's, like, all this sort of, like, chill out, yeah. no hard edges. It's all kind of, like you know, easy background music. I would not describe your beats that way necessarily. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it would, it would inherently have kind of a different audience and a different branding, which is kind of the other thing I want to talk about too. You mentioned yeah. that now you're kind of able to tell the story just with the music, but I've also really liked your selection of images and your selection of how you're presenting the music. Cause it immediately locked in. It was, it was so clearly like, oh, this is what Joey's always been into <laughs> is like this sort of shit. And it's yeah. consistent and that's incredible. It's like yeah. you, you really have kind of captured a, a big part of your personality. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's really just, you know, um, self-expression, you know, mm -hmm. being a, a producer in general, like, you know, producers always kind of have always taken like a backseat to a lot of stuff. Hip hop, especially um, and rap, you know, it's just always been about the rapper and they get to express themselves and you get to say things, you know, the most direct form of expression is like saying, I feel this way. And obviously, like, not being lyrically inclined, that's something I've always struggled with. But at the same time, I'm, like, someone who's, like, super opinionated. You know, I can totally be, like, a dick. 
I can, you know, I, I'm super emotional. Like, you know, I, I, um, I'm an Aries, if that means anything to anyone. Like, you know, apparently I'm a hothead or whatever. And I've got a lot of opinions on things. And, and there's lots of types of art that I think are amazing. You know, growing up on a lot of like death metal and black metal, being obsessed with that stuff. And horror um, movies. I and, remember you were watching horror oh movies at an incredibly young age. Yeah, yeah. Way too young. Um, <laughs> way too young. I, I have been afraid of the dark for my whole life thanks to my parents instilling that fear in me like yeah nah freddy krueger is totally cool to watch for a five-year-old yeah nightmare on elm street no problem but like you know of course you know after a while you know you just get attached to that imagery um and then you know growing up being an angsty kid in new york you know i've i've just it's all kind of like a, a culmination of like i guess my personality and 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 i don't know my emotions and so sometimes, like, I can just, um, I don't know, I, I like to, I guess, just show that. And it's, I feel like it's easier to show that through, like, a picture and some sound or, like, a video of some, like, still images or maybe just, like, a couple, like, some, some graphic motion art or something um, than words for me. I don't mm -hmm. know, words, like, are difficult for me. <laughs> but um, something I, I definitely, you know, like to do, obviously, my name is Saint Thriller, like, I love... Um, I was raised Catholic, so I, I always, I've always loved religious imagery. You know, I've always had like a, like a deep obsession with like angelology and demonology and, and, um, what appeals to you about that stuff? I think one thing I like is, um, how Catholicism is really like not that different from like, if you were to watch a movie about like some kind of dark satanic cult all the rituals and stuff like that, they're like not very different. Like, I mean, you know, of course there's a lot of Satanism that's based on Catholicism or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but like, you know, if you see like, you know, monks, like they wear these dark robes and they live in silence um, and they live in the dark. Um, and that stuff is like super creepy. Like things like exorcisms, um, history um, in the Bible, like the language, the pictures of like, you know, wars and heaven angels demons um spirits like that stuff is just so sick and and it's scary and i i feel like things that make me uncomfortable or things that make us uncomfortable are i don't know it's like um it's it's always i guess kind of like a grounding reminder like you know you can feel big and bad but like there are bigger things out there mm -hmm. um there are there there's always someone who's crazier than you there's always some dark thing going on and I mean, like I said, growing up Catholic, like just having been around all that stuff, like, you know, being in a church and being like, this is kind of weird. We're all like, you know, in this giant building with all these pictures of these people who are dead or may have existed or may haven't existed. Mm -hmm. um, and we're all like saying these, we're reciting these chants and these words. And then we're going to get up and we're going to drink this wine because of something we can't see. And we're going to like, it's just super creepy. Mm -hmm. um, and... I don't know. I, I, I feel like I resonate a lot with things like that. Um, especially like, you know, it's, I guess also related to that concept of there being like, you know, something bigger in the universe, something deeper. Um, it could be benevolent. It could be malevolent, you know, could be something of light, something of dark, something neutral that is neither, which is even more horrifying in its own way. You know, definitely the universe doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't matter what happens to you. And, um, I feel like that, um, I don't know, it's almost like screaming from inside of me sometimes. So that's something I'd like to express. That's something I'd like to express. And, um, 
I don't know, show off in my music. Yeah, I, what I like about it is it feels very distinctly New York in a, in its own way without it sounding like too reverential to the like idea of what New York, you know, hip hop is supposed to sound like. Yeah, yeah. It's more of like just the energy of being around New York like in the winter, oh, you know, man. like holiday. It actually is like great holiday season music cuz I always yeah. find this time of year like super goth for all of the reasons that you're describing. Yeah. You know? New York in the winter is like dog shit. Like it's it's really rough. And I I think that's where a lot of it comes from too like walking to school in the cold because you have to like you don't want to go to school you don't want to go outside it's cold and you have to do both it's like this is messed up this isn't fair like okay there might be a greater good but like this is like some cosmic evil like what is this going towards like i'm gonna i could freeze to death out here like i know i'm not going to but like this sucks and this is life Mm -hmm. and this is something we just got to deal with and then that just keeps going to like when you're like going to work you're getting on the train you know, and you're passing so much filth. There are people living on the street who have no clothes. They're freezing out there. They smell awful. They're starving to death. People are stepping over them to get to wherever they need to go. There's, um, you know, and it sucks because, like, New Yorkers, you know, we get a bad, you know, rap for, like, being rude um, and stuff like that. It's just everybody's just got somewhere to go. Yeah. Because life doesn't stop no matter what. Like, you know, you're in Times Square and you're next to this building that's worth, like, a billion dollars there's all these lights all these rich people in these office buildings and these big companies and right next to you is this this person this vietnam veteran who is like starving to death and begging for change and you got to go to your minimum wage job you know like mm-hmm. you know you're just at this this constant like juxtaposition of like look at this um just unfairness yeah. of like life and placing that against a kind of like Catholic moral order just yeah. is like a real yeah. head scratcher. Yeah, you know, it's you like, look yo, at the... what the hell, man? <laughs> this is some bullshit. Right. And because th- the idea of there being some sort of structure to the universe and that this would be the result of that structure is yeah. like kind of horrifying. Yeah. And so that when I hear your music, I get that kind of feeling. You know, it's like that sense of, you know, solemnity and, you know, seriousness and focus about some sort of like, grand design but the design is fucked up and evil yeah sounding, super you know? flawed yeah and it's and it's rough because everything sucks <laughs> um yeah it, it's a uh, i i feel a lot like i i get a lot of um of inspiration like having lived on staten island for so long like the way to get to manhattan is obviously the staten island ferry and walking off the ferry in the winter like like fortunate for me to my car but like walking a few blocks to my car in the winter, it's cold by the water and it's quiet. It's dark. You hear like the waves crashing and it's just like, there's no one here for you. There's nothing to save you. Mm -hmm. You know, something bad can happen to you out here. You have to watch your back. It's dangerous. And that's being on like Staten Island. Like that's not even like being in Brooklyn or like Manhattan or the Bronx, you know, and Having grown up, you know, in Brooklyn and then Staten Island and having friends from all over New York City, you know, it, I don't know. I guess it just kind of uh, kind of it makes us who we are. You know, and I, I feel like that's something I guess I try to um, express through my music is like who I am, you mm-hmm. know, self-expression, just like everybody else. Well, shit, I've loved what you've had to say about it so far. It's, <laughs> thank you. It's, thank you. I think you're in a really excellent place with your music right now. I'm yeah. really excited to see what happens. Do you have any plans uh to release the tracks that you're working on so far or what's what's next up on the horizon for you 
oh yeah, I really feel like I haven't even started. You know, I've got a lot of ideas in terms of like visuals and releasing projects. Even just, you know, I, I'm really, the first thing I'm going to do is just release, start releasing things on, on streaming platforms um, for people to listen to because I should and I want to and I've got ideas for music videos and um, I'm looking to do like collaborations with like artists, but like visual artists and things of that nature. So, but what I'm definitely focused on first is um, releasing some, you know, just short projects, some like short EPs on, uh, on streaming platforms first. I've got, uh, you know, I've got some ideas flowing around. I've got some plans. Things are going to happen very soon. Well, yeah. I'm excited to hear all of it. Thank, Thank you, you so much for stopping by today, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to Joey for joining me on this episode. You can find his work on SoundCloud and Instagram at Saint Thrilla. You can find more episodes of Lamniforms Radio at SoundCloud slash Sounds. And you can follow me on Instagram at Ian K. Corey and on Twitter at Lamniforms underscore. More episodes soon. Until next time.